I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that comic book source material. A part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other wonderfully geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to episode 403 of the official Gunna Geek Show. I am Stephen, and we're recording this on Monday, the 17th of July. I'm pleased to say Chris Farrell is here this week. Lies, it's July 16th, I swear. Uh, I'm pretty sure, well, it's a Windows calendar, it might be wrong, it says the 17th, but uh, we've also got, and this is this one's going to really shock you, I, I can't believe I'm finally introducing him after 403 episodes, SP is here this week. Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm from Earth. <laughs> hey, That's SP. a pre-show joke for you guys there. <laughs> Here's a question for you, SP. Yeah, quite. People just saw you wave. They they saw you wave and they saw that you have something on your right arm. What's going on there? Oh yeah. Yeah, lifting accident. Just uh you got a little tennis elbow or something going on because of all my heavy lifting that I've been doing to do my physical therapy. So, now I got to do therapy for the therapy. Well, all I know is I'm glad that that's the only injury that you've got going on right now. <laughs> the only injury. Yeah. Okay. Sure. We'll go with that one. Yeah. Um, I might be a little bit loopy tonight because I'm on some painkillers because of a Ooh. stress fracture in my toe, in my foot. Oh. Have you got turf toe, SP? I don't think it's turf toe. I think it's straight up stress fracture. Uh, that's what the doctor said. There's no alliteration of that, so it's less fun to say. Is that is that a stress fat fracture from all of the stress from podcasting with me? Is that what yes, that is? That's what I was thinking specifically. Okay, perfect. <laughs> the doctor said, oh, I think it's a stress fracture. I'm like, oh, yeah, from all of my coworkers and my co-hosts on my podcast. You, you know why? Because he sits under there and Steven says something. And he's like, stupid, stupid. and has to start kicking the wall to feel better about it. That's valid. The last couple of, po- last couple of <laughs> podcasts, my dog has been underneath here, so I've been kicking the dog the whole time, too. <laughs> oh, oh, poor, poor dog. I know. Cooper's a sweetheart. Uh, he doesn't do well with thunderstorms, so as soon as there is one, he crawls underneath this desk. This is his safe space, and uh, he's not here now. I have shoot him out, but there is going to be, while we're recording, a thunderstorm <laughs> coming. So I don't know. He might be banging on the door. We'll see. Well, all I know is that I have to say it's been a pleasure podcasting with you after all, all of these years, because I'm pretty sure after you said you kicked the dog, you won't be podcasting much longer. <laughs> uh, he's right. going to get canceled. <laughs> yeah, John Wick is going to come and kill me, right? <laughs> Well, if you have not checked out the Gunna Geek Network listener or viewer, you should definitely do so. Go over to www.gunnageek.com. There are some awesome geeky podcasts over there that talk a bunch of variety of geeky topics, including some that talk various Marvel Cinematic Universe properties, some that talk other geeky topics like other films and whatnot, and some that are just all things good and nerdy. You said the thing. <laughs> That's Chris's show, by the way. So check that all out at gunnageek.com. All 
All right, let's start off the news here this week. And Chris is for the audio listener. Chris was yawning, which is very appropriate for any time that, that I was talk. a cough. Thank you. <laughs> it looked like a yawn to me. I'm like, okay, it started we'll go with it. it. Turned into a cough. <laughs> uh, let's start off with a thing called threads. Now, those of you who might not be in the know, what about you might, needles? You might be going, hey. I've seen SP on video before. I think he does have nice threads. Well, that's not what we're talking about this time. We are talking about a service called Threads because this is basically Meta's version of Twitter, if you weren't familiar with that, because they, they went and they created an offshoot of Instagram. Yes, it's not a Facebook technically spinoff. It is an Instagram spinoff, which is trying to be like Twitter. And it officially launched on July 5th. Well, Which it, was early, though, remember, too, because they were supposed to launch, what, like seven days after that, three days after that, something like that? Well, they had they had first teased it on July 3rd, and, and there were some things going on online, and people thought it was actually <laughs> live on July 3rd, and then it ended up being, yeah, I think announced for July 7th, but then officially actually came out early on July 5th, and this was launched kind of on the heels of some Twitter happenings where Twitter started to rate limit a bunch of posts mainly because they can because there were bills to be paid allegedly and anyways it caused a, a bunch of the twitter service to be crippled and then all of a sudden weirdly this threads property ended up launching in what some believe to be an early version possibly not ready for prime time and maybe meta was just taking advantage of the the, the downfall of the twitter in that moment look this is all here just to set up a cage fight we all know that, right? <laughs> this is to set up the cage fight between the billionaires, which is the dumbest damn thing I've ever said on this show before. Yeah. But yes. Are you no, sure th that's the dumbest thing you've ever said on the <laughs> show that, before? That's how dumb this concept of two rich white billionaires fighting each other in a cage over stupid stuff is to me. I'm sure we could dig in the archives and find something stupider. But probably, I will but... acquiesce that it is not the most intelligent thing in the world. Although... They're doing it for charity, allegedly. So, okay. I, I thought it wasn't actually I had happening. I heard that part. I know Elon's mom said no last <laughs> I had seen. That's true. She said, no, I don't want, I don't want him fighting. Uh, well, anyways, um, this launched and it launched in 100 countries and it did not launch in the EU because of pending privacy regulation information over there, which is they're waiting for answers basically, because let's be honest, it's meta and they like to take a lot of data, but within a day of launch threads gained 30 million users, which surpassed a previous record that was uh, held by chat GPT, basically threads becoming the official fastest growing platform in history at that point. And the activity continued to climb over the next few days where Threads users reached 100 million by July 10th. And then things kind of leveled off a little bit. A week later, as of July 14th, Sensor Tower data is suggesting that daily active users dropped 20% and time spent on the platform basically fell 50%, which went from an average of 20 minutes on the platform down to 10 and then similar webs data reportedly um, is saying that active users dropped 25% from a peak on July 7th and dropped down, they're saying, from 20 minutes active down to eight minutes. So somewhere's in that realm of half, half time, basically, 
of active time on the platform, which kind of makes sense with a brand new platform. A lot of people are checking it out, seeing what it's about, probably going to spend more than they average would on a platform like that. But this is a lot of drop, but I think it's important that we look at it from the bigger lens, which is that as of July 16th, TechCrunch is reporting that Instagram threads has now one fifth of the weekly active user base of Twitter. So even with all of that, all that drop, they still have a one fifth active platform. And just to put context on this, this is basically 86 times the next largest Twitter like service. And also it's important to remember, again, this does not have EU approval. So there's a huge fraction or a huge segment of the population that doesn't even have access. And let's be totally honest, I think, as we look at threads, it's not in a great state, in my opinion. There, There is basic functionality that you look at and you go, yes, there's th this is like Twitter, but it's missing a lot of key features that people who use Twitter would like to see. And I'm not talking about things like an edit function. I'm talking about things like no web function or no ability to view just your followers. There's a lot of core functions in here that are missing that I personally would, would also subscribe to the idea that they definitely were jumping on the Twitter happenings and they got this out early. I, I would agree with that assessment. Uh, here, here's one of the keys, though. What'll be interesting to see is, say, two to four weeks from now, where are we with threads then? What revisions, yeah. what updates have they made? I saw the, uh, I guess it's the product manager that's in charge of threads, has been pretty active on the platform talking about some of the changes they want to make, including you know, our own timelines instead of the algorithmically fed ones that kind of mixes and mashes a bunch of things together. So they do have a roadmap for doing things. And the fact that it's in its current state that it is now, I think, lends further to the theory that they saw Facebook was having, not Facebook, Twitter was having problems and went, oh, oh, we can sneak in right now. And even though we're not at 100%, it's going to be enough to get eyes turning our way. And, you know, kind of worked. There's been a lot of people that have been talking more positively about threads, if only for the fact, how do I put this more cleanly than how I saw it portrayed all other ways? There's less crap heads on threads than there are on Twitter right now. Right now being the term. key term. <laughs> then that's the key thing. The question then comes into what kind of moderation and enforcement goes into mm -hmm. place. And presumably right now, they're following a similar model to what they do in Instagram, which is arguably better than the lack we really see on Twitter in its current shape and form. I mean, I was talking in pre-show, I was talking to somebody on Twitter and I made something that I thought was a funny remark. And I was like, oh, cool. It got like three likes when I went to my notifications. All three were porn bots. It wasn't anyone real. It was just porn bots that paid their eight bucks a month to get Twitter blue. They're not real. No, they're not real. I'm sorry. Man. <laughs> You're crushing SP's dreams. Right. So I guess that's part of what's going on now is the comparison between threads and mm -hmm. Twitter in this regard is that. There's a lot more spam and a lot more junk because it's the biggest player in the game right now. But when you go to threads, you don't have to question who people really are. And this is sort of taking us to the blue checkmark thing. But because they built it on top of Instagram, they already knew that, let's say, hypothetically, Stephen John Drew was famous actor Stephen John Drew. Not hypothetical. OK, well, then once you create your threads account, you'd have your blue checkmark because everything was linked back to Instagram is relying on that backbone and that structure for logging in. And that's how they're able to get a lot of people to try it out for the first time is it's not, I have to create a new account mm -hmm. and do a bunch of stuff. It's like log in with your Instagram account. Oh, okay. I'm still using the same thing. Oh, I can automatically follow everyone I follow on Instagram. You made it easy for me. 
I have to say, and I, I SP, I'll turn it over to you in a second. I 100% think that that was the right decision they did going with Instagram over something like Facebook, because number yes. one, the whole thing that SP's talked about a thousand times, the username factor, very different requirements between the two platforms. Instagram is much more in line with what, what a Twitter type universe is where people can do whatever name they want and it's a more of a handle. The second thing is you have a younger crowd on Instagram than you do on Facebook. And I think that that was a smart decision because even though I've not been on Instagram, you know, because I'm, I'm obviously such a young guy um, that, that you have had actually young folks still on there with Facebook. It's like, ah, my grandpa's on Facebook. So here's the important thing with the Instagram tie and then I promise I'll stop talking about it is that You've got a lot of brands and things like that that are already on Instagram, and they made it easy for them to go and then be on threads. And whether we want to admit it or not, when it comes to these social media platforms, having brands are important to some folks. They want to be able to see highlights from ESPN. They want to see pro wrestling clips, for instance. And I bring that up on purpose is threads launched at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night, randomly. <laughs> it was supposed to launch at like 9 p.m. And then before that, it was supposed to launch days after that. So at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night, threads launched. At 8 p.m. here on the East Coast, All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite show starts showing. I pull up threads at 8.15. The official AEW Twitter account is already on, not Twitter, uh, threads account is already on there sharing clips from the show, highlighting things that are going on. So from a brand perspective, it was super easy for someone less than an hour before a live show starts airing across the country to log in and set things up so that they can start live sharing clips from this show screenshots and videos and all sorts of stuff and backstage content that they would also be sharing on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram itself. But because they didn't have to create new accounts, all their followers could potentially carry over. They literally just hit the login button and started posting. That is kind of a key thing for building up your product. All right. I have some issues, guys. First of all, Everybody started flocking to this place and a lot of them from Twitter, you know, there was a lot from Instagram because of the easy login, but a lot from Twitter. And there was a bunch of people on Twitter that were there because they didn't like Facebook. So where is the meta slash Facebook hate in all this? Like, mm -hmm. oh, no, we're all going to go to threads now. We think Meta's good. Hey, really? It, it's not that they think Meta is good. It's that. Elon Musk has made them hate Twitter so much based off the changes he's made that in comparison, a Mark Zuckerberg product seems more palatable. And I'm not joking. That's a lot of the comments you see is that people are so disenfranchised with the current state of Twitter. Yeah, that anything I, seems better. I don't want to get into that argument right now. I think there is a lot of backlash on Twitter right now. There's some that's substantiated, but I think a lot is unsubstantiated. That is beyond the pure view of this podcast right now. Well, the other thing can, that can I, I just quickly say, chime in one, one thing to do with what you were just saying, which is um, I suspect and it, whether people realize it or not, it's the whole devil, you know, thing. And, and what I mean by that is you I heard you talk about it in episode 53 of the Better Podcasting live chat available at betterpodcasting.com. I heard you talk a little bit about this as well. And I agree. I 100 percent agree. Meta has a history, a, a long history that should not be ignored of of data practices. This the reason it's not even in the EU right now is a flag in itself. So 100% agree with you. Yes. But but I think it's the fact that people know they they know how bad Meta is. I don't and, think they do. But I think that they they've come to accept a certain level because they're on Instagram already. They, they've they've gone. This is what I'm. A, I've resorted to. 
I want to be on Instagram. And that means that Meta is going to harvest all of my data to a certain degree. And Twitter's in such a flux right now that I think that probably it might be a little bit the devil, you know, going on in their minds. I think you're more technologically inclined. People might think that way. I think your traditional social media user doesn't realize just how much data is getting harvested by the Threads app when you go and look at the permissions it has. Same with any other social media app out there. Mm. Because, hey, when you're getting it for free, you're not the customer. You're what's getting sold. Yeah, you're the product. Exactly. Completely agree with that. I think Meta does it better or worse, depending on your point of view, (laughs) than anybody else out there. So there's that. The other thing is I'm looking at this and I'm going, there's really no difference between this and Instagram. The same posts that get uh, featured in the algorithm, which is more TikTok-ish than Twitter, but the same posts are the same posts that you would see on Instagram with a picture or some sort of video or whatever they call it, real or whatever. It's the same thing. And it's not the text only stuff that is being in the algorithm. Now, if you manage to get into your own feed somehow, that's fine. Like if you go into your followers and you you can, it's like three or four clicks in and you can see all your followers. You can see a lot more text things, but the promoted tweets or the promoted, I don't even know what they're called. The promoted posts, those things are all picture or uh, video or graphic based. See, that's and, not the case for me. So I think it's interesting that it's different between different people for how they follow things. Because most of the stuff I get is a lot of text-based stuff with a lot of interaction. I was just going to okay. say, I, I was surprised I to hear this. It. Yeah, I was surprised yeah. to hear this. And and maybe that is that algorithm, which is, again, I think an uh, indicator of the problem of not having the following out there is that we seem to have mm-hmm. three different sort of experiences of what we're seeing when we might follow the same people and and want to see the same content. So I think that I, I actually, I'm you educated me, SP, on that because that's not what yeah. I'm seeing. I've had to mute so many accounts because I don't want to see this mute. I don't want to see this mute. So again, go in like two, maybe three times a day really quickly just to see the top, I don't know, 10 things that are shown. And I've had to mute or block accounts in order to try to refine my feed to something that's a little bit better. So maybe I've actually done a good job with Meta and they don't know what I like and I dislike. (laughs) And so they're not collecting the right data from me. Maybe that's true. I don't know, but it's just very annoying. So for me, my experience is I don't like it and I don't see the difference between Instagram and threads for me. And I'm guessing a lot of people out there are like that. So I don't know. We'll see how this goes might be the thing that prevails long term just because Meta is throwing money at this. And I don't know how much more money Elon can throw on Twitter. The interesting thing will be when they actually open it up to connect to the rest of the Fediverse. Yeah, because that's what they've been talking about doing is one of their plans also is that I think that's a bunch of talk. I don't know, man. I I'm skeptical, too, from the perspective of if they get a big enough grip, will they want to continue through with that? I'm I'm skeptical. I'm hoping because I think it would be helpful. But I think that, you know, if they have no reason to do it, then it's meta. Out of all the alternatives I've played with, it's the one that is the most welcoming for lack of a better term because there's not much of a learning curve there's a learning curve for things like mastodon and things like that and it's just been more pleasant it reminds me a bit more of the early twitter days before twitter turned into what it is now now that being said it sucks for news like if you wanted to follow for instance the blizzard activision 
court case and stuff like that, you were lost on threads. There was no way to follow what was going on live and in real time. So you got into my final point there. I actually got an invite code to go over to Blue Sky and I created an account over there. There's a lot less people on there, but the interactions, the experience, the stream, the timeline, much, 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 much better. And I like that versus anything else. And it could simply be that they're throttling the entries a lot because they don't want it to balloon up. And to get on board takes a wait list through, you know, you sign up on an email wait list or somebody gives you an invite code. And they're hoping that by that slow growth, that they'll be able to contain the mayhem that is on other social media platforms. But from what I've seen so far, if you're fortunate enough to get into Blue Sky, it is a good experience. That's good to hear. I'm not not fortunate enough. And um, based on threads, I would suspect that the, the hill got a lot steeper for Blue Sky to climb. For now. Yeah, but we'll see how many people stay. Like I said, yeah, my experience was I don't see the difference. So why should I go to threads if I have a good Instagram account? I don't see why I do both. And the real differentiating fact for whatever may become the new Twitter, for lack of a better term, or if anything does, is where do people go? Because it could be, let's run with your example, Blue Sky could be the 50,000 times better experience, but because it has 30% less people, arbitrary number I'm pulling out of my butt here, <laughs> compared to, say, Threads or Mastodon or something like that. People don't want to invest as much time there. So that's sort of why I understand the move that Meta made to get Threads out there tied into Instagram and get a lot of people on there because the traction is trying to get a lot of people there and then continuing to grow from there because they got a lot of eyes on them with the fact that those numbers went so huge in such a short time. There is two couple points that I have about threads before we move off of this. The first was that I, I had mentioned this in our discord when I hopped on there, all hundred percent agree, not disman, uh, dismissing that the algorithm is a problem for trying to follow the people that, you know, I hundred percent agree with that. But what I found really interesting was that it suggested people that I actually followed on TikTok, which is weird because I don't follow them elsewhere. So I don't know how that's all done. But my point is that that kind of shows the potential for discoverability, something that Twitter has has long had a problem with and many other social media platforms if it's not manually sort of uh, people manually going in. So I think, you know, obviously meta, lots of data analysts, lots of bad things going on, but the discoverability could be something that was used on that. Um, the second thing is I I am very adamant that the first major update, I think, will be a very clear indicator of where Threads is going. If they are focused on features that enhance their data analysis, analysis uh, or what their perceived features are needed that are very different than what everybody's asking, I think that shows that they're not going to be offering people up what, what they're asking for that are these missing features in a Twitter-like platform. If on the flip side, they are chipping away at some of these features that people have been asking for and not really looking at their personal, you know, data analysis play playlist or, you know, to-do list, then maybe, yeah, it, it might have more potential. But I think that first major update is going to be a real clear indication on where Threads is going. My hope is that's coming relatively soon because people don't have a lot of tolerance for not having a great experience. Then they stop showing up. Yeah. 
Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Um, the fact that we all seem to have very different timelines, I think uh, I, I just want to double tap on that. I think that that really highlights the problem that is there with the post content being served up to people right now. So. All right, well, moving on to the next point, uh, you said that Sony, you don't like Sony anymore, uh, I think is where your words. And I think sure, you, said, exactly what I you said. said that you'll never, ever watch another Spider-Man movie again. And that yeah, you, exactly. you hate all Spider-Man properties, including uh, Sony Playstations. Yeah, and I especially hated the most recent Spider-Man movie. It was just garbage. No, <laughs> no, he's kidding. But what's been going on now, and we've been talking about it for, God, 18 months at least on this show and a variety of other ones, is that Microsoft's been attempting to acquire Blizzard Activision. There's been a variety of court cases out there, all of which but one now have been dismissed effectively, which is in the UK and is on the verge of being dismissed. So it looks like Microsoft's acquisition of Blizzard Activision is going to go through. How does Sony come into play into this? Well, Sony was the ones that were fighting it the most with an argument that they had concerns that with Microsoft controlling the big video game franchise that is Call of Duty, they could negatively hurt the PlayStation brand or they could pull the game from Sony and make it so that it is a console exclusive to Xbox or a variety of other concerns that have been since addressed in a variety of court cases, most interesting of which has been the FTC ruling that just came out what last week i think is when it finally all got done but during this acquisition process in an effort to appease regulators microsoft had been making deals with a variety of other gaming industry companies including nintendo nvidia and others like that to sign 10-year deals saying hey we microsoft are buying microsoft or buying blizzard activision the intent is we will own call of duty we have no plans of removing it from your platform here's a 10-year contract that speaks to that fact in fact, they even offered one up to Steam and Steam told them, no, we don't need a contract because we know it would be dumb if you took it off our platform is basically what it came down to. Because, hey, Call of Duty sells a lot. Microsoft likes making money. This contract was also offered to Sony, specifically to PlayStation head Jim Ryan, and they had declined to sign the deal. That is until this week. Sony has seemingly recognized the inevitability of the acquisition and they have now signed an agreement with Microsoft keep Call of Duty available on PlayStation for the next 10 years. I pulled this article from Polygon.com. We'll step through a couple pieces of it. The news was announced on Sunday by Microsoft gaming head Phil Spencer saying, we are pleased to announce that Microsoft and PlayStation have signed a binding agreement to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation following the act, excuse me, the following the, wow, this is a tongue twister, following the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. That one's tough. <laughs> We look forward to a future where gamers globally have more choice to play their favorite games. The Verge then asked, wanted to get more details on the terms of this deal because supposedly early on, this had also included some other Blizzard Activision games. The Verge was able to find out this agreement covers Call of Duty only. It does not cover any other Blizzard Activision brands. So in theory, Microsoft could take one or all of them and make them console exclusives if they wanted to. Now, like I said, they like making money. So my guess is while some of those may go console exclusive, I don't see them taking Diablo 4 or let's say Diablo 5 when they get around to making it and saying this is on Xbox only. They like money. Put it on all the other platforms. It was fascinating, though, because PlayStation strategy, and I kind of touched on this at the top of the story, was to use Call of Duty to convince regulators the merger would kill competition in the console market because Microsoft would then withhold games from PlayStation or release inferior versions there. 
Just last week, the United States Federal Trade Commission ultimately ran with Sony's argument when they put this case up in court, and they lost. Interestingly enough, evidence was presented in the case, and that included an emailed admission from Jim Ryan that he had no concerns about PlayStation losing access to Call of Duty for many years to come. You know, the same guy that had basically pushed the argument that Sony was concerned Microsoft was going to pull Call of Duty and hurt their brand. No, they had emails that he had sent the day the acquisition was announced to all the rest of the Sony staff that basically said, now we're not concerned about this. In addition to, he'd been at um, Sony exclusive meetings and things like that and basically said he wanted to hold up this acquisition just so they couldn't get it, not because he had any Call of Duty concerns. So it was kind of a crappy argument because it didn't really hold water. And hey, that's why the FTC didn't rule by it. So right now, this agreement effectively means that Sony is ending its opposition to the acquisition. It's now expected to be completed. Some folks say it could be completed as early as July 18th, which is the very last date that is available in the current deal. However, it is looking like this may slide right a little bit because UK regulators with the CMA, and I forget what that means, I apologize, have expressed concerns and Microsoft is working on fixing those concerns. So the deal may get pushed out a couple more weeks, it sounds like, before going through. But it sounds like we're at like fourth, we're at like third and goal right here to use a football analogy. We're right there. The deal is about to go through. And depending on your view of whether Microsoft should acquire Blizzard Activision, it's either good news or bad news. It's third and goal from the 45. I don't know if it's that far out, but I was going to say third and goal on like the four. <laughs> Of the other side of the field. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was thinking like when I th- saw this and, and it said 10 years, I thought, okay, that's that's not that long. How many generations of Call of Duty is that? And then I pulled up Wikipedia and, and let's go back here. So it's 2023 right now. Mm-hmm. In 2013, since 2013, we had Call of Duty Ghosts, which was on Windows, PS3, PS4, Wii U, X360 and Xbox One. Then we had Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, which is basically the same. Call of Duty Black Ops 3, which is basically the same. And then we get into 2016, which is Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, which is Windows, PS4 and Xbox One. Then Call of Duty World War II, which is same Call Call of Duty Black Ops 4, same systems. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019, which is same systems. And then we're into 2020 with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which is basically same systems plus the, you know, Xbox One series, blah, blah, blah. And then Call of Duty Vanguard and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. That is a lot. That's that's a lot that 10 years could potentially cover if that development cycle continues in the same way that it has over the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, and part of this deal also, they made a deal with Nintendo to say they're bringing Call of Duty to the Switch, which it has never been on. So what I heard you say, Chris, is that on my PlayStation 5, which I'm going to go out and buy right after this, I can now play the Halo series. That is not the terms of this deal. That is totally what I heard. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to bill you for the PlayStation 5. I heard that too, Espy. I definitely heard that. I'll pay my bills just like a certain Twitter owner pays his bills. How about that? (laughs) And I believe, sorry, you said that it's also going on to the Switch. And I believe that that means that all of the... Call of Duty, yes. Yes. I mean, I think you also said that all of the Nintendo properties will also end up on the Xbox. Is that what you said? I did not say that. That would be kind of cool. Although, honest, Kart. Yeah. Honestly, my dream would be if they ever put the Xbox Game Pass app on the Nintendo Switch because you can go out there and see a lot of people that made Android tablets are basically cloud gone, 
cloud console gaming devices now that are all Android powered. Mm. That just run that app. There's no reason the Switch hardware couldn't do that. And in theory, you could just stream all of the Game Pass games. And a lot of people think that might be how they get Call of Duty on the Switch because they've done it with some other games where you buy the game, but you have to have an active Wi-Fi connection to play because all the work is done in the cloud and then pushed down to the Switch because it's hardware can't handle some of the games that are out there. Oh, that's so smart that, yeah, they might use this to... Because does this... Did this specify that it's going to be released in the same fashion or is it that they can offer it through a Microsoft service onto the PlayStation? So my understanding for the Sony deal is effectively it is they will continue to offer the game in the way it is done now, which is physical copies or through the digital marketplaces of those respective companies. Okay. I don't think there was any limit on what they signed with Nintendo for how they were going to do it, but I don't think it was necessarily implied that you would buy a Call of Duty cartridge and be able to play on your Switch immediately. Just because of the hardware differences between Xbox Series slash PS5 and the current Nintendo Switch hardware, I honestly think it'll be cloud-based. I was just thinking, like, if the agreement was broad, wouldn't it be hilarious? Not not really, but wouldn't it be hilarious if Microsoft's like, yeah, you can get it on PlayStation, but you got to have Game Pass. I mean, they could. If they did that, it would just be dumb. They'd be shooting <laughs> themselves in the foot in front of regulators, and it would ensure that no other deals go through. In, in all fairness, and I'm not trying to be a corporate bootlicker here, <laughs> it seems like Microsoft isn't making the deal just to get the deal through okay it, it sounds like this is more in line with things phil spencer's been saying since he took over the xbox division which is we want games to be available for everyone to be able to play and if you go and look at a lot of Nintendo, microsoft's plans while there may be xbox exclusive that doesn't mean it's just on the xbox it's generally also on the pc at least what's that steven what's that uh, it's it smells like wet leather. It does. I smell I smell that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying and I fully admit I may be biased here a little bit because I have an Xbox. And part of the reason I haven't bought Diablo 4 yet is because I was like, well, this deal's gonna go through like days after I buy Diablo 4 and it'll be on Game Pass then. What the hell am I doing? So I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with that before I figure out whether to buy Diablo 4. We also know your long-standing hatred of all things Sony, too, as we started this segment. With. Well, I kind of hate my Sony TV that blew up on me this weekend. But yeah, mm. other than that. So uh, the other thing that I got from this is that you can play both Halo and this Call of Duty thing on the Atari VCS. That's what I heard, too. I, I Actually, definitely heard that. Prob- Wait, wait, hold on. You probably could because you can run the Chrome browser on Atari VCS. So you could do a web-based instance of the Halo games available on Game Pass. You probably could. I'm smelling next month's segment. <laughs> well, who's going to buy me an Atari VCS? Because I'm not paying the retail. They're price like that. 25 bucks. I mean, oh, they're no down problem. to that cheap now. Yeah. If it's 25 bucks, I'll buy one. But if All it's right. more than 25 bucks, I won't do it. Find me one that works for 25 bucks. I'll buy it. I remember talking about that platform on here i'll go put all the work on sp to find this though i don't want to do any work but if he finds one for 25 i'll do it and then i'll pick up this segment and i'll do it all right well we look forward to having your future follow-up on the atari vcs yeah it's gonna be one month away i promise guys no it's not (laughs) all right speaking of things worth 25 bucks what's going on in blue origin 
Well, we've been talking a lot about SpaceX and Starship, but there's another competitor out there for deep space human travel, and that's Blue Origin. They got the second NASA contract for a lunar landing system. And the way they're going to get that into lunar orbit so that they can bring down a crewed system down to the lunar surface is this new rocket, which hasn't flown yet either, called New Glenn. And New Glenn is going to take seven of these new rocket engines called BE-4s. And Blue Origin is also making those BE-4s for the Vulcan new rocket, which requires two BE-4 engines. That's their main customer. And, well, how are things going with this rocket engine? Well, according to a news story on CNBC.com on Tuesday, July 11th, 2023, Jeff Bezos's space company, Blue Origin, suffered a rocket engine explosion while testing its BE-4 rocket engine last month. During a firing on June 30th at Blue Origin's facility in West Texas, they're a lot more secretive, by the way, than SpaceX, so there's no video of this, a BE-4 engine detonated about 10 seconds into the test. Now, if this is really going to have to work, it's going to have to go for, I don't know, four minutes or something like that. So yeah, 10 seconds is a little short. Hey, now you speak for yourself. Thank you very much. A Blue Origin spokesman confirmed the incident, noting no personnel were injured, and an investigation is underway with a proximate cause identified. Now, let's talk about New Glenn, because this will predominantly look and feel and impact the Vulcan system. So at the same time that Blue Origin needs to get the BE-4 working well and humming off the production line for its main customer, which is the Vulcan rocket, the company also needs the engines for its own reusable New Glenn rocket that's in development. The Vulcan uses two BEs, New Glenn uses seven meaning Blue Origin needs to produce dozens a year to support both rockets. Vulcan and New Glenn are both under contract to fly satellites for another Bezos-founded company, Amazon. The blockbuster commercial launch deal saw Amazon order 38 Vulcan launches and up to 27 New Glenn launches to fly its Project Kuiper internet satellites over the next few years. Project Kuiper is another Starlink competitor. Blue Origin also plans to use New Glenn to fly the Lunar Lander. It's developing under a $3.4 billion NASA contract. The BE-4, the centerpiece of Blue Origin's stable of rocket engines, was supposed to be ready in 2017. But a myriad of development issues has meant the company only finished the first flight-ready engines recently. Similarly, New Glenn was originally slated for its inaugural flight in 2020. Ha 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 ha. But delays have changed that timeline to unknown, with Blue Origin leadership in recent public appearances declining to comment on a new debut launch target for New Glenn. Blue Origin opened a major engine production factory in Huntsville, Alabama in 2020 and has expanded its facilities in the area to about 1 million square feet. NASA leased engine test stands at the Marshall Space Flight Center to Blue Origin. This is the same place that tested the engines for SLS, by the way. The company tests its smaller BE-7 lunar lander engines there while restoring a larger NASA Stanford BE-4 testing at its testing facility in Texas. So 
In order for a rocket to work, there's a lot of pieces that you need. I would say one of the more critical pieces would be a rocket engine that lasts more than 10 seconds before blowing up. So they got some works to do. Now, Starship, as you guys know, needs some work too. So just apples to apples comparison, the engines that Starship is using also went through a process. And yeah, they did blow some up, but they've gotten better over time. With Blue Origin, they're supposed to be taking a safer, longer term development and not reiterating their design as often as SpaceX goes. So every delay like this is actually compounded in New Origin versus SpaceX. Yeah, I think this kind of highlights the difference between the two approaches, right? You can obviously see a lot more rapid development happening on the SpaceX type of side of things. But we've talked before in the past how they really are doing like the fail fast approach. And and obviously there's some some good that can come from that. Obviously, there's some things that can go very wrong with that as well. But unfortunately, you know, I, I look and I, I go when we were talking about this sort of stuff, excitement pre-pandemic 2019 area, it felt like there was a lot more happening then. Um, a lot more rapid development happening and and whatnot. I think it was 2019. I don't know. The last few years all blend together. But um, it seemed like we've slowed down from that um, as far as these different competitors getting into the game and and it, it looking at one point like, wow, we're not that many years away from from many sustainable private space contract options. And Blue Origin seems like they're going at a at a slower pace than they once were. Blue Origin also has not returned to flight with their new Shepard rocket since its incident that we covered a few years ago. Why do they keep using new in all their names? Well, it's like John Glenn, Alan Shepard. New astronaut name. Yeah. New SP. Maybe. Maybe we get that someday. I don't know. I I I want an SP rocket. I, I just want you to thrust. I mean, what? Where's our new O'Neill rocket? <laughs> with two L's? Yeah. Well, or one. The guy with two L's is kind of a bastard, I think. Is That's how they what I heard, show. too. Yeah. That was a quote, but you can bleep me if you need to. I won't, because I'm lazy. <laughs> well, thank you for updating us on this. Uh, I always like to talk about booms. I, I really enjoy it, and this time it's a Blue Origin boom. Yeah, you did not want to talk about Elon time today, so no. that's what the news story that you got. Yeah. And you were talking about the fact that the uh, the Starship orbital flight test attempt SpaceX has been hard at work to rapidly repair and upgrade the orbital launch mount, right? That's right. I was trying to read your news, but I failed at it. <laughs> that sounded very organic. <laughs> yeah, just just as, as an aside, have you seen the water test? They just did a water no, test I didn't. today. Did you guys? See? Oh my gosh, it sounds louder than the rocket itself. You gotta <laughs> oh, click really? on that link and listen to it. Yeah, it's amazing. For those of you who are in the live chat, SP will go ahead and uh, put that into the live chat in our Discord server. And those of you who are checking that out, uh, that out after it will also be in the official Gunna Geek Show channel. I'm committing SP to that right now. Oh my gosh, you're making me doing work during the show. I don't know if I, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> All right, well, in the extra, extra, before we talk about Prime Day stuff, I just wanted to mention the iPhone. Um, we talked a lot about the iPhone on here. And there was just uh, an article that came out that said that there was a recent auction where the original iPhone, the iPhone 2007, fetched 
$190,000 at an auction. This lot was run by LCG Auctions and had 28 bids in total and is basically 400 times the original price of an iPhone. So if you've got yourself a first gen original iPhone, you might want to cater it or coddle it, cater to it. I don't know why I saying that, but you might want to hold it, love it, kiss it, send it to SP. Is the battery still good? That's the question. Battery go boom. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, now we can really feel old because we're in the, the age of $190,000 iPhones because they are antiques. Oh, I mean, I got an iPhone six right here. You want it? <laughs> I remember like right here. Being, I remember being a summer intern in 2007 and my boss got an iPhone and was showing it off to me in the parking lot. And I was like, interesting. I did not anticipate it blowing up to be what it is. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is just another kind of Blackberry. This is before, like, remember first gen iPhone, like didn't have YouTube. It was missing a bunch of stuff in it. It was more like just a web browser and a phone. And I was like, but you have that on a BlackBerry and it's like half the price. In our live chat, we have Suncast says, I saw one in a museum last year. To say I felt old would be an understatement. There, there's something I saw. It might have been a meme, but it looked real enough was that someone was like, holy crap, I feel old now. Look what's in this museum. And it was a Sony Discman with anti-skip protection. Yeah. It was sitting on display in a museum. I was like, I had one of those when I was like 16. I know. The anti skip was Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. SP had his portable phonograph. SP had an eight track, didn't he? I'll tell you what. I had a portable cassette tape deck, you know, the the true Sony Walkman way back in the day. And uh, I have tried to listen to those headphones through the (laughs) and i'm like how could i hear this this sucks compared to the headphones that we have today well let's talk about things we have today as we get into the prime day discussion This is a bit of a long-standing tradition here on the Official Gunna Geek Show. Well, ever since Prime Day was a thing, we like to talk about Prime Day. Even when the Canadians were robbed in 2020, I think it was, uh, we still talked about Prime Day. And we just wanted to talk about some of the scores that we got for Prime Day, some of the things that we maybe thought about getting, and just just have a conversation about some of the the deals that were to be had. I'm going to start by saying I felt like the deals were... Not as good as last year, at least in Canada. I felt like there was a lot more drawing my attention last year. Not so much this year. But I, big things that I picked up was I finally, finally have a matter device for my smart home. Yes, I picked up a two pack of Casa, which is TP-Link's brand. I don't know why they're using it for the matter devices, but the, the smart plugs that have energy monitoring. And guess what? It didn't pair very well to Home Assistant. Uh, mm. Finally, finally got it going just last night. And there's no energy monitoring baked into the uh, the proper matter integration. But I officially sent a matter command. I'm probably going to keep them just because why not? It was like 20 bucks and I can experiment and, and see what happens. But I finally have a matter device. These are, are plugs, though, that are not thread based or Wi-Fi based. So I look forward to seeing. I think thread would 
be a little bit better. Um, I'm not sure, though, how it works on iOS because I cannot see this being possible on iOS. But on the Android app through Home Assistant, when I went and I uh, paired the plugs, it sent my Wi-Fi credentials right to the plug and, and got that all through there. So I'm assuming that's something that that the Home Assistant app was pulling from my phone because I didn't program the Wi-Fi credentials into Home Assistant anywhere. And that's why I say I don't think it'd be possible on iOS. I, I'm, I'm not sure iOS would allow the network credentials to be pulled by an app. I'm not sure. I just don't see it, but maybe I'm wrong. But anyways, I officially, officially have some matter devices. And then really the rest of my list was kind of boring. I picked up a couple of miscellaneous uh, trailer things like, you know, uh, I've got my water tank filler adapter that will make it slightly easier than trying to shove a hose down a small little pipe. I was, uh-huh. ho- I was hoping he's going to talk about a trucker hat or something. This not that. Really, this is not very exciting. Not that. Uh, okay. I, mine's not either. I picked up some random like coffee, which wasn't that great. Actually, I tried some new coffee, uh, s- some some mac and cheese that the kids eat. And then I did, though, in the smart home thing, pick up some Govi or Gavi, however, Gavi, however you'd like to say it, smart lights that are Wi-Fi and and Bluetooth capable, and they are actually going to be for the trailer. I I, I, should have waited for Prime Day to buy my holiday decorations (laughs) that I bought a couple of months ago. Why didn't you warn me about that? I don't know. I don't warn you about anything, but... These are um, these are for the audio listener. These are the like kind of hanging like bulb string things that you'd see like around like a deck or something. But I bought these because they came up on sale as I was sitting underneath my trailer's awning, looking across the way, going, "Oh, they got lights on their awning," and they go, "Oh, these are on sale on on Prime Day, and they're smart. I'm gonna buy them." <laughs> so they'll be for the trailer. I almost bought something from Govi. That's a tease. Oh, did you? That's a tease. Oh, I, I know what it did. is. I didn't pull the trigger. I yeah, know, you kept I, the show notes. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't actually read that. Okay. I won't predict then I because I didn't read your show notes, but we'll we'll see. And then um the other the other thing I actually almost bought was another Keychron keyboard. I like my Keychron keyboards. I'm quite happy with them, but I saw one that was full size, and since I rearranged the desk, I feel like the full size keyboard would fit better. But I am committed that my next mechanical keyboard that I'm going to try will be a Nufi 96 N-U-P-H-Y. Uh, right now, they're only being shipped out of the U.S. or uh, international, probably China. Um, but at the moment, I don't want to deal with the import. So I've been waiting for a while for those to end up on Amazon or be the right deal that I could import them into uh, in, in through the import service that I use. But... At the moment, I, I passed on the Keychron keyboard, even though it was a really good deal. Um, and then I realized afterward that Newfie themselves, you know, did what many other manufacturers did, which was ran a deal and all of their keyboards were sold out because they put a good deal on. <laughs> As a side note, after we came back to the office and everything, you know, we mandated had all these chiclet keyboards. But after we came back, people started mandatorily requesting that they get the mechanical keyboards. Oh no! And now it's a mechanical keyboard sound war. Click, 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 yeah, click. Oh, that all over the office. It, it's it, I've still got the chiclets. I'm like, I don't care. But everybody else is like, I'm like, holy crap! When everybody's working, it's like, oh my gosh, my ears. So I put my headphones on, and I'm like, somebody comes by and say, oh, they playing the keyboards hard on you? Yes, yes, they are. It's loud with 20 people. 
with mechanical keyboards all in a confined space. It gets loud, guys. It gets loud. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah, sounds like hell. All right, Chris, what did you buy slash what did you almost buy? So most of my stuff was kind of boring here. We'll go through the stuff I bought. First of all, I bought a Grubhub gift card because we use that when we're lazy. And it was 10 bucks off if he bought a $50 gift card. So that helped. Probably the coolest gadget I got was something I'd had my eye on for a while. And I saw it was on sale for Prime Day. So I finally pulled the trigger. And this is a USB slash battery powered slash DC adapter powered portable tire inflator. And it's basically it's a handheld device. And I have a DC powered tire inflator I use that God, my family's had since I was a kid that I kind of got when I moved out. And it's getting kind of old, not working very well. And it's a pain in the butt around here to find a, a gas station with a working air compressor at it to be able to top off tires, especially when there's big temperature changes and stuff. This will make it real easy because I literally just pull this handheld device out, plug the hose into the front of it, clip the hose onto the car and say 36 PSI and then walk away for 45 seconds. And it will fill the tires on battery power or plugged into the DC lighter adapter or plugged into the wall if I need it to. And it's a portable device I can throw in the back of my car so that if I need it going forward, it's something that's always there. It was 35 bucks. I said, okay, based off the reviews, I'm going to give this a try. I have just finished charging it, so I'll probably go. And I know I have one tire that's a couple PSI low, so now I'll just clip this on there and see how it goes. And I'm kind of looking forward to not having to guess which sheets has the working air compressor which week. You said that you wanted it to work going forward. Does it work if the first thing you do in your car is go in reverse? I mean, as so long as you don't run over it, I assume it would. Okay. Just just thought. <laughs> Th- that does sound really handy, by the way. And um, I-, I have a question. Does it have the ability to to put on like, you know, one of the larger nozzles that you'd use for like, you know, an inflatable? Uh, yes, like- it came with a, it came with a variety of nozzles, actually. So like for basketballs and things like that, I'm too. guessing or, not the really big ones. I think I know what you're talking about. I, I don't think it had one for like the large mattress size ones, but you could probably reuse one for one of the small like camping roll ones. So you can't do your inflatables. Is that what you're saying? Your uh, your personal inflatable? Your life size inflatables? No, no, I don't think it'll work. There. Okay. <laughs> so that was my useful gadget. That was the most useful thing I bought that I had my eyes on. I bought a uh, 4K Blu-ray 3-pack of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End because I've never gotten around to it. Bought season six of Rick and Morty because it was like 10 bucks. And then as a Christmas gift, my dad doesn't listen or watch, so I can say, hey, dad, you're getting the Adams, fa- the Adams Family complete series I got on DVD for you for Christmas. So uh, if you are listening, congratulations, you found out early. And then there was <laughs> a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of pantry goods and home goods I bought just because it's stuff I normally need and the prices were good. So I got things like, Mr. Clean magic erasers, toothbrush heads, water filters for my Brita pitcher, a new electric tea kettle because my old one was broken, some Quaker oatmeal, some Quaker granola bars, trash bags, and new bags for my food saver vacuum sealer. None of these are exciting, but the prices were good and they were things that I know I'll use, so I bought them. There were a few things I did almost buy, one of which was the good place on Blu-ray, but I just didn't really need it. It was a good price, the entire series for like $17.99, I think. I just kind of forgot was more of the bigger thing. It was sitting in my cart and time had run out. And then I also almost did uh, two months of Max for half off for each month. But then I realized, wait, the only reason I subscribed to HBO Max in the past was because John Oliver was on with the writer's strike. John Oliver's not on. So it doesn't really make sense to subscribe to Max for two months to not watch anything. 
So I didn't I subscribe to that. Think I'll have to go back and look, but I think the next thing I'm looking forward to watching on Max would be Dune. Mm. Dune okay. two. Maybe that'll be like run. after it's been in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing I almost bought, this is the tease, another Govi product. It's <gasps> one I'd had my eyes on for a while. I didn't end up pulling the trigger, but the price was good. Is I don't know if you guys have seen them before, but they sell light kits for TVs. And the yeah. whole concept is you get yeah. these LED strips that can go on the back end of your TV. And then there's, for lack of a better term, a camera that sits on top of the TV and looks at your screen that basically adjusts the color of those LED light strips based off of what is on screen. They had their newest version of that for a 55-inch screen that was on sale for like 35 bucks off. And I was sorely tempted to do it. I just was lazy because I didn't want to have to pull the TV down to do it and things like that. And in hindsight, it was probably good I didn't because days after Prime Day, my TV in the living room blew up and no longer worked. So I had to go buy a new one. And then I would have just been doing the light strip stuff again. But because of how I have my TV set in my room, I have a built-in entertainment center in the corner of my room. And the TV sits in the corner cabinet there. And there's a lot of space behind it. And I think those LED light strips on that are used for immersion and things like that would make a really cool effect. I just don't want to have to set it all up. <laughs> I just don't want to set it up. There's I a am... part of me that looked at that and went, I don't want to have to put this in line with everything else, make it work. I was like, nah. <laughs> I am interested in doing something like that eventually. I think it would look really cool in my great room. I don't have a box that my television sits in. It sits on top of an entertainment center, mm -hmm. but there's enough wall behind that. And the room's pretty big. And I think at night it would really enhance the effect. Like this past weekend, I was watching Arrival and I think that oh, it really awesome. would have, yeah, it really would have helped. I only made it halfway through the movie and I've never seen it before. So please don't spoil the end, no, even no. though I've already been spoiled. But I, I everyone think dies. That's just the spoiler for everything. <laughs> I think this Gobi product would be great for movies and stuff like that. But I worry, and you can always turn it off, of course. But I worry like sports and stuff like that because there's so much fast camera cuts and so much action that yeah. changes on there that that would just be overwhelming. It would just be like blasting all sorts of different colors at me. So I think there's use cases in which it would be great. And then there's use cases in which it would give me a migraine. Hugh used yep. to have a, a product, um, mm -hmm. and I believe the HDMI fed into it. That's how they That's did correct. it. That's yeah. correct. And this one's different in the fact the HDMI doesn't feed into it, it uses that camera feed. So people have complained that depending on how you set it up, there could be some latency issues for when it rotates. There's supposedly this Gen 2 product that's out now is better about that. So the back of my ultra-wide monitor has LED lights on it, and unfortunately... It's not backed up against a wall or anything. It's got a hutch back there. So I never really see the lights from the back. But if I had a desk in the middle of the room or that you could see the monitor, I would really like that on a computer too. And I know for like gaming monitors and 4K monitors and everything, I, there's more and more of that coming available. I just, I'm wondering if there will be eventually a series of TV that just automatically includes something else to go wrong on it, of course, but... I'm wondering if it'll be integrated in something going forward. I mean, you could just do an OLED strip built into the back of yeah. a lot of these OLED makers, but I, I don't know. I think this is still kind of a niche product for a lot of folks. For now. For now. But the, I, I, but the more and more people that watch movies at home versus going to the theater, the more and more it's going to be something that people are going to say, hey, this yeah, is cool. But but people said that about 3D too. And that, that, how many, that were on the I third. I never said that about I didn't 3D. Say you did, but people did. And we're on what, the third version of 3D that's flopped for in home? Did you just call me a non people? I think he did. 
<laughs> well, you are from Earth, at least, so we know that the, much. The surface. We've got that clear now, too, yeah, from the surface fair. of Earth. Okay. You you reminded me of a couple things in uh, there. Um, first off, you know, I also, by the way, this was a crazy purchase. I bought <gasps> like a 10-pack of water flavoring. Ooh, I know. you wild man. I know, crazy. Uh, and the other thing I bought was uh, up in Canada, Amazon has this thing that's through a, through a third party, well, not third party, through like a, a Canadian broadcast company called Stack TV. Basically, they offer a certain amount of channels that are streamed through Amazon. Mm. And I've tried them before a long time ago. I was really disappointed with the experience, but they had a thing where it was like 99 cents plus tax for three months. And I was like, yeah, I'll just do it and I'll cancel it right right away but i thought it was worth having a look to see one of the current streaming options that are in canada just to see see what the current state of it is for 99 cents i can live with it steven what i'm getting out of this is you and i are pretty boring with our prime day purchases let's hope sp can save us save us <laughs> save us sp save us. <laughs> oh yeah put your marker on the wrong horse here <laughs> ah, crap because crap. because i got this puppy a three and a half inch, 20 terabyte drive that I have to replace my 12 terabyte drive with. And it's going to take like multiple days to copy all the information over. So I haven't started it yet since there's thunderstorms rolling through right now. And I don't want, you know, a power strike to happen where the copying stops or whatever. So yeah, for those that are on audio, I'm actually holding it up right now on the video at 20 terabyte Western Digital Red Drive. And it was a pretty cheap in comparison. I've been waiting for a deal like this. I know steals like this have not steals, deals like this have come up before, but never when I was like, okay, I need to buy it now. So this was when Prime Day came up. I'm like, okay, I'll check and bingo. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna buy it. So I got that. And then something else. You know, I'm a guy, I got tools, I'm out in the garage sometimes. And you know, sometimes when I'm out the garage, I'm hungry. So I decided since I have power tools like this impact drill, right? So I've got this. And then I was like, what if I want to mix cake? So I got this attachment so that I can actually mix. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, I got, and it's not just this attachment. For this the audio, a, wait, hold, hold on, let's describe this, Chris. For the audio listener, he has attached this to a DeWalt. I'm pretty sure it's an impact driver. Yep, quarter-inch <laughs> impact driver. Yep. So it's not only the whisker, so I've got the whisking attachment, but it also came with a traditional mixing attachment, you know, just the... So nice. I got that, right? Oh, hold on. Let me go full screen so that I can make okay. this the thumbnail. Okay. <laughs> make a gift too, please. <laughs> okay. And, and you know, I, I think this is for dough. I've never really used one of these except for cookie making when I was young with the family. But I've got this thing too, which I think is for dough. I think yeah, it's, it is. You know, yeah. yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Go back, go back to the whisk. I need the whisk. Yeah, and the whisk, okay. the whisk is the whisk. pretty good. And then watch the whisk, by the way, because it deforms. <laughs> How much did this cost you? This is amazing. Nine bucks. So two, two questions on this. One, when's the last time you needed to make a cake? <laughs> Uh, today. I mean, there's Fair always enough. a reason but to make he cake, has right? The option now, Chris. Fair enough. <laughs> and then two, can you say more power and grunt for me, please? <laughs>
Oh, yeah. Well, let's let's get this uh... <laughs> more power. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> You'd make a good owl. <laughs> Need some flannel there, buddy. <laughs> oh, well, that is amazing. Absolutely incredible. And, SP's uh, the fun one. He wins. Uh, uh, Suncast in our chat is saying SP has beaten it on video. And uh, right. I, I, I believe he means beating the competition is what he means. I think that's what he means. So even though I had fun with that and I really needed the 20 terabytes because, you know, I'm podcast or whatever, the, the, the 20 terabyte is if you're a regular computer user, you don't need 20 terabyte drive. Don't worry about it. But if you're a podcaster that does 4K video, you might need one. This is my problem. I ordered several other things that either got lost or haven't arrived yet. Or this is Prime Day last week. So what was it, Tuesday and Wednesday last week? It is now Monday the following week. Things that were ordered, there was two different shipments of two different items. So a total of four items have either been lost. One set was lost and one was supposed to be delivered today. It did not. So I'm having some issues with Amazon shipping. Mm. Now I know Amazon will be good. I'll have to contact them and I'll want the product. See, that's the problem. When I go in and just say, hey, we'll give you a refund. Yeah. I don't want the refund. I want the product at the price you gave it to me. So I have to contact them and talk to an agent. Talk to an agent. I can't do their chat. I have to talk to an agent and get that done. So it's just... It's a pain right now. And I think Amazon is slipping a little bit in their customer service. I think they did a bang on job during the pandemic. I get phenomenal, like several hour orders that come in, but I've had more and more of these problems with shipping lately. And I think it's due to their working conditions. I think it's due to their processes breaking down and just be on the lookout for what Amazon is going to have to do for the holiday season. Are these shipped through UPS, FedEx, United States Postal Service, or does it vary your problems? It was Prime. Oh, so Prime does the delivery itself for you? Yeah. Their own drive? Okay, see, mine all, we don't have that, so mine all go through UPS or FedEx and stuff like that, so. You know, I don't know. I, I haven't gotten any of my Prime Day deliveries yet, though, because I didn't need to rush any of them, so I took the extra 2% back in and rewards because okay. i was like i'll just wait so i think my first box from prime day is supposed to get here on wednesday up here a lot of times we run into issues when a package goes missing with a third-party vent like a third-party seller if it's not sold by mm-hmm. amazon.ca um and i hope that you don't have the same experiences that i have had with that which is basically they'll only offer refund which is useless to me when it's a deal right so right then yeah. that's what I think I'm button up ahead. I I don't want to say exactly what it is yet or anything, but it's not anything exciting. It's more no. household items, stuff like that. I think the first package, literally the box came apart because knowing what I ordered, I think the box came apart or the bag or whatever they did came apart and there's like nothing left of it to uh, give to me. And the second one was supposed to be delivered today. And they said, oops, running late after the prime truck. I was watching. I saw the prime. I was home this afternoon. I saw the prime truck run by and didn't stop. I was like, oh, well, maybe there's another truck. And then I got the notification. So. SP, I got to say, I'm surprised you just haven't built a NAS to do all of your network storage and backups. It has to do with offsite backup. So if I okay. use Backblaze, it's all got to go on that one computer. 
And gotcha. yeah, unless he wants to go to the B2 or whatever, which is it gets very expensive very fast. It's much Well, doesn't Synology and stuff have different backups that'll do cloud-based stuff too, in addition to what's on the NAS itself? I, I was I was dabbling a little bit when I wanted to build a Plex server more stood up, but I'm just too lazy to do it. From what I've seen, a lot of those NAS-based services are much more expensive than the Backblaze uh off- offering for personal use. Well, I wasn't sure if they would hook into Backblaze or not. I don't know enough to know in all honesty i've still got it's a year old but i still got a class a gaming system with a lot of space mm-hmm. in there and this will be an easy i'm going i've got an external uh what do you call it enclosure or whatever yeah i i can run it and then just copy the drive over and then as soon as copied i'll just pump it in to the system i'll rename it exactly what the drive was that i took out the same drive number the same drive name Sure. So that nothing will break, all my links won't break and stuff like that. It's just a little hassle. And normally I would clone it, but it's 12 terabytes. It's kind of hard to clone a 12 terabyte drive when you don't have any space to clone it to. <laughs> yeah. Before we go, I would just like to remind everybody, if you're not checking out the other awesome Gunna Geek shows, you definitely should, including Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., where SP and his fantastic crew over there talks about the various marvel cinematic universe properties with an asterisk on there uh and then also you have chris farrell with all things good and nerdy plus the sp beats his meat fan cast that he's also running <laughs> no. oh, i don't want to know what the url is for that one <laughs> i mean i i'm trying to get more into to the meat cooking right so the brining, the smoking, that sort of stuff. Over the over the holidays, the Fourth of July holiday, smoked a wonderful turkey. Oh my gosh, it, it was the most tasteful turkey I've ever tasted in my more than half a century that I've been on this planet. I got a buddy who was working on, who was doing a lot of different smokings and stuff like that, and then also making his own barbecue sauce. It was a really interesting combo. Yeah. He made some good barbecue sauce. He sent me some in a mason jar. It was damn good. Do you find that uh, smoking uh, relaxes you a little bit and kind of sets you at ease? You find it a little bit like that? <laughs> well, I mean, you got to like watch it for hours and hours and hours. So and having a sm- have, if you're legitimately if you're not making a joke, and you're legitimately talking about smoking and you're interested in it. Get yourself spend some money. Get yourself a smoker that will regulate the temperature for mm. you. I've heard that makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah, it does. (laughs) Uh, And in our chat, Suncast says that he bought a domain name and I'm not going to read it out because I'm kind of kind of afraid that it's not actually it. So for episode, I'm afraid to actually click it in and see where it goes. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not ever going to click that. (laughs) So for episode 403 of the official Gunna Geek show, I'm Steven saying you got to go to the live chat. Come to GunnaGeek.com slash Discord. Go to channel live-chat and you'll see Suncast's purchase. Maybe. And I'm SP coming at you from the surface of the planet Earth. <laughs> I'm Chris and I too like meat. All right. Take us out with one more drill, SP. Go ahead. checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube 
You can always join us for our live recording sessions at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next show. 